Vivante presents e-commerce talks, where industry experts share their insights about the ever-changing world of e-commerce. My name is Marcos Bravo, and today we'll be talking with Chief of Technology at View Storefront and Magento Master, Sander Mango. Sander, thank you for joining me today. Uh, we're very excited, but I, I know you for a little bit, but um, I'm sure some people would like to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so why don't you start? I mean, you've been around for a while. So can you tell us a little bit more? How do you end up in the e-commerce world? Right. Um, yeah, so about 12 years ago, I got hired as a developer at an agency, uh, and they were doing this thing called Magento, which I pretty much never heard of. And they basically, they told me, like, uh, you're going to be the lead on this department and get some books and start studying. So I had, like... 30 days to, to get into the whole Magento thing. Uh, bought like three books, read them in the evenings, and then and then I started, like, hopefully unprepared, <laughs> I might say. Um, and I'll, I'll admit it, like the first first couple of weeks were rough, but slowly it started to, to grow on me. Um, I, I did e-commerce before that, uh, mostly bespoke solutions, which means that everything is painful taxes, uh, discounts, products, you name it. That's all, you have to build it yourself, right? And then you have to, you have this solution out there that pretty much seems to have it all. And if they didn't have it, there would be like a module for it uh, on the on the ecosystem. So that was, that was interesting. And I started to get more and more into e-commerce uh, since it's a very dynamic way of working. Before that, I did a lot of websites where you have your contact form and maybe some some job openings, but it's very static, right? And one of the things I love about e-commerce is the direct return on investment that this client is seeing. You fuck up and they will not have their income for an evening or something like that. That's very true. So that progressed, uh, did a couple of years of development, started to get more into, more into lead roles, the doing consultancy at agencies, also freelance, ended up at a merchant for three and a half years, which was a very interesting experience as you, you're, you're, somewhat, yeah, <laughs> you're somewhat protected from, from the realities of business when you're on the agency uh, side, right? I mean, if, if something goes wrong or if you have to do a new feature, there is an e-commerce manager on the other side, on the client side, that takes care of a lot of things. And then when you transition to a merchant side, you have to get down into the trenches, do like the negotiations with the finance department, with logistics on how we handle packages, that kind of stuff. So, so literally yeah. you've been basically from development all the way up to the salesman of the, of the oh, yeah. solution. Yeah, and that was, that was interesting. Uh, it, was, it was a huge learning and not on the uh, technical side, but on the, on the more soft skill side. How do you get people to buy into this kind of stuff? How do you explain uh, X months of development on a feature that for them is like, uh, I just want a button, you know, that kind of request. Um, so that was very interesting. Um, and after that, I went to product. Uh, I got hired at View Storefront to, to help them uh, uh, push their product on the market, which is a, a headless front end for e-commerce. Now, um, I introduce you to to everybody uh, watching this as a Magento master. And even when I got introduced uh, to you, 
my first question was like, what the, is a Magento master? Is it like <laughs> right. this guy like a Jedi of the Magento world? Or like, how do you become a Magento master? Or what it what actually means? Yeah, it's a, it's a third, uh, term that, that when you're not around the Magento space can come off as slightly odd. Uh, so Magento, uh, in the form of Sherry Rohde, she's the community manager at Magento, started this program about three or four years ago to recognize uh, some of the, the more active community members, uh, which entails either doing blogs or conferences or um, even just mentoring other developers. Now, I've been organizing together with, with someone else from the Netherlands, uh, Mi Magento, for, for a couple of years. Uh, also an unconference, which is more a technical uh, conference. I've done some online conference. It's kind of like an escalated hobby, you could say. Uh, so, so because of that, I, I got elected a Magento Master, one of the 22, 23 uh, around the world. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's very, very cool. That That's, is uh, that is very that sounds very. It, cool. It's a bit of an honor. I'll, I'll say that. I'm gonna try to get in a little more, um, and, and I'm gonna ask you that. Where you you get to see, um, especially in, in this last um, conference, like what's happening with all these like uh, ideas of microservices and and um, headless pieces of software that still to me uh, I'm still trying to put my head around headless. <laughs> right. But um, how is it changing the, the the environment? I mean, people used to have. Just one solution, basically host at their store or in the computer. It's everything in one place. But now yeah. there's there's tons, if not thousands, of different solutions that you can just literally connect to, and and it I guess it saves you time. I don't know how how do you see this happening? And that's a good question. So I think headless has been around for ages. Basically, it means that you have an application either online or offline that doesn't have a graphical interface. In this case, that would be your, your average uh, shop front end uh, that, that we all know. Um, so headless is becoming more and more popular, I think mainly because as technology is getting more and more complex and the whole ecosystem is maturing, you see that it becomes more and more important to choose the best of breed when it comes to any sort of technology. I think, for example, search is a very, very clear one, right? Where you would have your normal search, which would run on MySQL, a pretty standard database type, which a good example is like the, the typos that you do, right? I'm looking for shirts, but I uh, I type uh, shards or shares shorts. or whatever, <laughs> or, yeah. right? Now on Google, we're used that 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 gets all the completed into whatever you want to have, uh, and on a lot of e-commerce stores, they they don't. They'll just tell you, no, we don't have that. Uh, which is uh, we can be. Uh, I mean, we're talking about conversion, so it's an important thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's get frustrated if you don't get what you want straight away. Exactly. You just don't go back. Exactly. To, don't go back to the store. Yeah. So we have these these solutions out there uh, from uh, some solutions as Algolia or Clavel or, or whatever is out there that specializes just in search, but they don't sell their software. You rent it. Or they they don't want to give up their IP, so they they tell you, okay, install this plugin or or piece of JavaScript, and it's talking to our services. Uh, so here you see already an introduction to service-oriented architecture, where you are talking to an API, an abstracted interface that code can consume. Uh, we do the same for payments. Uh, nobody's really handling credit cards uh, on their own anymore in the bigger store or uh, maybe the bigger stores, but not the smaller stores. 
you give them off to a payment service provider and that makes sure that the, the, yeah, the it gets mind, charged. Right? So why not do the same thing for your catalog or your checkout or even your pricing or stock keeping? You know, you wanna you wanna invest in the best of breed technology that, that's out there. And the decision of making or buying is becoming more and more actually buying. And buying means a SaaS product. Everything is rented nowadays, right? You don't really buy software anymore. Um, and that's that's a big change for, for the e-commerce platforms out there, especially the ones like Magento or a bit more down-market WooCommerce. They traditionally have been uh, a an, an, an monolithic application made out of all these modules that you download from the internet that might or might not be of high quality that might or might not be actually leaking it some private information. I mean, <coughs> nobody knows. Um, and that's becoming less and less. And I think it's a trend that that, that will continue for, uh, for at least for the foreseeable future. And I mean, you, you've been in both sides. You said you, you were a developer and you've also been on, on the front side, literally representing the brand. How do you see the perception from the client side? Is, 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 are they willing to give away their monolithic idea of having everything or control of everything into just hooking up from smaller bits here and there is it is it something that people is is more into it or they're still not very uh ready to go it it, it depends a lot on the merchant like the more traditional ones want to own stuff right they they are the ones that might even buy cars for their company instead of leasing them that kind of stuff right they want to have this piece of software on their server that they can go in and touch to the, <laughs> I mean, they want to be it, able yeah. to move it around and, and almost feel it's the ownership it. feeling. Right. right. Yeah. And then you have a, a, I would say a new generation of merchants that doesn't really care about it anymore. They, they are used to renting stuff, right? They, they use Airbnb, they use bike sharing, they use whatever you have out there. And they're also used to just renting a search engine. And it's perfect because you don't have to take care of the maintenance. You don't have to take care of upgrades. You, it just works and it works really well. You just need to take into account that you're paying X amount of money yeah. every month to, to, to have that. Uh, so it's, it's definitely something that the newer generation seems to be embracing. Uh, also, some bigger companies are, are more and more investing in that kind of a solution because they see that long-term investments for IT are hard to make, right? Uh, we have a general life cycle of about five years, I would say, after that you refresh your whatever backend you have. So why not go with a solution that works on multiple platforms and that can adapt to the multiple business strategies that you might have because who knows where you're going to be at? in five or 10 years. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, but you're right. I mean, the, the new generations are very uh, in touch of what it means to not own a software, just rent software or use a right. service. Now, I mean, for Magento, obviously, is is a change of paradigm. I mean, Magento used to right. offer everything at once. Like, here you go, right? Yeah. So with this whole wave, I mean, how is Magento turning or how is Magento adapting to, to, this, new, to this new paradigm? Right. So Magento saw the same thing happening, right? And they have been going at uh, cloud hosting for a while with, with mixed success. Uh, some might remember the Go period where they offered um, Magento hosted solutions for Magento 1. Now they are back with another Magento cloud offering, but it's always a very monolithic cloud offering. 
basically they're hosting a shop on 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 Amazon and that's it. More recently, they have become aware of this this issue uh, and are are gearing their their architecture towards more service oriented uh, uh, offerings. So they uh, they promoted a new uh, director of uh, commerce architecture, uh, Igor Mignola, and he will start to transform that whole architecture into actual services. So what we might call a module now will be an independent service that might still act a part in a monolithic setup, but can be replaced by an outsourced search engine or a hosted uh, SaaS solution and, and for your catalog. perfectly adapt to, to right. Magento. Okay. And Magento also sees some, some benefit there when it comes to, to uh, revenue, right? Because now they're just giving you a big SaaS solution that, that costs, um, let's say, 30000 a year. Well, they might go after even smaller or bigger uh, merchants when they have this let's say, menu where you can pick from, okay, I'll just have very basic search. It'll cost me 500 a month. Well, you I can customize it, right? Exactly. And But then I want to have stock keeping, which has to be like state of the art, can do everything. Maybe something like in B2B, right? You don't mm-hmm. really need powerful search maybe in some B2B because you just want this or that tie rip. Uh, but stock keeping is so important in B2B. So they might offer you a very expensive and very advanced uh, B2B uh, stock keeping platform. All right. Well, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, companies need to evolve into, a, I mean, it's evolve or die. Now, um, I want to switch a little bit the, the, the conversation, not too far though, but um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Shopware 6. Right. Because, uh, I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is, the open source is there, but, but what are the benefits to, to work with something like that? So Shopware has been around for ages, I think. It's not as old as Magenta, I'd say, but like it's getting there. It has been a closed source system uh, for a long time. And more recently, they've been starting to open source. And they got onto this whole service-oriented architecture pretty early. And that's Shopware 6, basically. So it is built as a headless system. They do offer a simple front end that you can slap on it. They also teamed up with View Storefront to have uh, a dedicated PWA-enabled headless front end on it. But they very much focus on on the back end. That's what they're good at. That's what they understand. They want to do that. So you see already that they have this service isolation where it's easy to replace certain components. They have a very comprehensive API coverage. They have APIs that not just only get and set data, but actually perform actions. Right? And that's a big difference where if you think of creating an order, you have to have products, you have to have an address, you have to have a shipping method. But all these things are not simply set, right? Because the shipping method might be dependent on the kind of products that you have. So you don't want just APIs that set data for you. You want to have APIs that encapsulate business logic. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's, that's your product. Right, and that's what they're doing very well there. So it has been in, I think they call it alpha right now. Uh, we should see a release candidate end of the year, and that's something I'm I'm very much looking forward to. I'm already spinning it up uh, at home to to play around with it a little bit. Okay, Sander, um, let's say I'm a big player. I have tons of money. I'm ready to go to the 
to the e-commerce world. Already your best friend. I know. Well, for that will be the first thing, right? But um, I have I have a very decent budget and I'm ready to go, but I still have no clue of what to do. So what will be the first step beyond the money, beyond the, like, what will be the first step for me to set up a proper e-commerce platform? Right. So one of the first questions I would ask is, are you going to go national or international? That that's a big one, right? Because you have to deal with language, especially in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's language, it's, it's currency, it's uh, even between Germany and Austria, which are two German-speaking countries. There's a lot of difference. Maybe Switzerland is even a better example, where you have still differences in the language, yeah, French, uh, Italian, and German, and only one totally different like uh, way of shipping goods. So you want to choose a platform that can that can support that. Now, for example, Magento would be a good solution for that. Also, Hybris or Demand, where you have a couple of solutions out there that that might might fit that. Um, another question that would be very important to ask is, what kind of integrations are you doing? Now, you're you're a bigger player. You'll already have Salesforce in place. You might already have uh, Pimcore in place or Acneo for your for your product management. You have a warehouse or maybe even more than one uh, through Europe. So there's a lot of implementation coming from that. Uh, now running Salesforce, you might want to go for for Hybris by default because you know they tell you that it comes with it. Uh, but it's still good to do your due diligence and really look at the various options out there and especially the cost of ownership. So whatever budget you have, take one third of it, put it in the bank and keep it for the first year. Especially when you're gonna head out to new markets, you're gonna need that money to do your marketing, keep the shop running, right? You're not gonna turn a profit on this new market right away. So you want to have a buffer and you don't want to blow all your budget and have management coming after you because you, you know, you, you still have to improve stuff after launch. Uh, you're going to deal with things that you didn't foresee yet. Uh, translations is, in the, is an important part there. So whenever you have to republish some products or, or whatever, you, you need to get translations. You need to get artwork, that kind of stuff. That, that's very uh, expensive. Um, so there you have your budget, right? It's about two thirds of what you should have um, available to you. And then we can start to decide on, on the platform that is best. Now, um, usually, I mean, and, and I've seen it a lot here, especially here in Europe, a lot of successful companies, they start uh, with no team, no technical team, which is keep growing and the technical team comes later. So right. uh, I'm a CEO of a successful company with all this money. I could go two ways. I can try to hire a whole team for my company to manage all this, or I can literally just give this to someone else to do it for me. Uh, how, how do you see that uh, as, as a well-spent money? Or as, uh, what are the pros and cons of, of choosing one, one or the other? That's an interesting question. Um, so, and this is my opinion, right? But I think that if you're a, a C-level executive, with very little affinity for technology, you are going to have to have a lot of trust in your CTO to do the right thing. And otherwise, there's going to be a lot of frustration because you might not be aware of what the IT team is actually doing. Because IT is a lot of times, yeah, we're working on this upgrade or, you know, and it takes ages and you can't really see any end result from it because the front end is still the same, uh, what am I paying for, right? 
Well, at agencies, you kind of pay what you get for or you get what you pay for (laughs) the way you want to see it. But like they keep you more in the loop of, okay, we're working on this and we're doing a workshop. And I'm not saying it's cheaper. It might even be more expensive because they're used to entertain the client at least yeah, nice. you know keeping keep him engaged throw a couple of buzzwords and he'll be like oh, exactly okay they're working <laughs> a lot of powerpoint slides <laughs> there um but it's it's a company that you know you feel more in control because you're paying the money and they are supposed to do what, what you want them to do so i think it's 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 for sea level it's something that they have to be comfortable with one way or the other i've been in situations where i was part of an it team where sea level might not have been fully aware of what we were doing and thus questioned the value of of what was going on there. And whenever you need more resource, they will be like, okay, but are you going to deliver more? Not per se, we just need to invest in this, right? So it's um, there are different situations and I don't think there's one one definitive answer to that. Okay. No, that, that um, I mean that make, makes a lot of sense. Now, um, let's say we have companies that they're completely settled, right? Uh, I don't know, imagine Sappos or Salando companies right. like that. Um, the environment is moving very fast, and a lot of companies tend to chill and not do anything. So, for companies that they're established already, what should be what what should be they looking at, uh, or what's what will be the steps that they're going to evolve into something that they better be prepared? In a lot of companies, we see that the IT team is very reactive. Uh, logistics wants a new warehouse. Okay, we'll, we'll implement a new WMS. We'll hook it up to the system. And then we move on to the next project because it's already waiting. Well, in uh, in Zalando and in some, some other companies, you get this almost incubator where uh, an engineer might try a different technology on the weekend. Uh, he becomes passionate about it. He starts to advocate it on, on the work floor. And all of a sudden you see a small team popping up. I think Zalando called some guilds. And basically if they have two or three people that are interested in technology, they allow them to investigate this and, and to start investing time in this. And I think that that is what defines these companies as it, as it drives them forward. So the, the um, definitely, companies definitely need to invest in innovation. Right. So one of the benefits of hiring a solution provider like a bigger agency is they should be able to do this on their own, right? They have developers that do their hobby projects and then get the, the, get the room on the Friday afternoon. I think yeah. that's a famous one, the right? Hackathons the, the, stuff, the, yeah. the hackathons where they can just try out any any new technology. And that's where, where a lot of interesting projects come from. Uh, so View Storefront, what I worked for, was actually a project for one client and one of the, the, the lead developers on that invested heavily on the technology, on PWA, what it stands for, uh, the benefits we we have from it, and he he basically created this whole product around it, and and now it's something that we we sell separately, right? Which which is a pretty amazing journey, if you ask me. But that's that's one of those clear instances where investing in technology can lead to to a beautiful solution uh, that now enables merchants with le- less budget to still have a PWA enabled web shop. That's um- it's, it's evolved or die. That, that's what I always think is, is companies. I mean, I met uh, tons of data scientists from Zalando, which when the first time I heard, like, 
you guys sell shoes. Where are these data science? <laughs> but obviously, it makes a lot of sense when you think about like all the innovation behind the company and why they are where they are. Yeah, go. I think in general, a good way to know what kind of technology you should be investing in is to look at other platforms that uh, your target audience is um, is investing in. Time in, let's say it. And then look at the issues that you might have. So, for example, YPWA is for me one of the hot up and coming technologies for e commerce. Is people are starting to get used to the more offline experience. It should be snappy, right? Uh, I mean, uh, Spotify has it, Instagram has it. So, when they go to on, on your uh, e commerce shop, it feels clunky. Yeah, and they, it expect, they expect right? the same speed. And it right? should be snappy. Um, what we see a lot of uh, B2B customers that, that tell us, okay, we're out in rural areas, we're out at trade shows and the, the Wi-Fi is crap. I mean, you've been to conferences, they have, for some reason, they always have like one dial-up connection for 500 <laughs> yeah. attendees, right? 566 is always Exactly. <laughs> so, and and the, the guys out there selling selling products, pushing pushing their, their services, they have this iPad with them and then they're like, we have this new product. And it's loading. You have to wait a little. And, yeah, no, it's amazing. You're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna love it. Right. And now with with PWA, we're able to cash that offline just before they go into the conference. They have they have all the images. They have all the prices there, and they're gonna be like, yeah, this is fast, right? You love this new tractor or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, but so I guess that that's that's one of the things that this whole um, microservices environment is creating. Is 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 innovation. Is is let's have something right. people want. But at the same time, it pushes people to want things faster. Actually, okay. that, that's spot on. I think that the whole service-oriented architecture enables you to adapt technologies faster. So there is a bigger investment upfront where you have to, uh, what they call, there's more orchestration, right? How do you uh, take control of deploying a certain application? Or how do you do the logging in the monolithic uh, environment, it's it's a bit easier to do it, or it feels easier maybe when you go into services and uh, they come with Docker and Kubernetes as as hosting solutions. There is a bit more tech involved in general, but once you have that right, it's so easy to start swapping out out parts. I've I've worked for a merchant and it was time to uh, switch to a different fulfillment solution because there were more warehouses and that kind of stuff. And what we did was simply build a new application with the same APIs, backwards compatible, and add some new features for the new warehouse that the other systems didn't need to know of, and just swapped it out in, in one go. And nobody noticed it even. And that, that for me felt so powerful because normally you would go into the system, start to swap out modules, yeah. right? It, it would, you had feature flags, like if it's this country, use this. If it, it's, so, it's time it's and money. So painful, that's, uh, right? yeah, that's painful, right? And what we see with a lot of companies expanding into more international territory, uh, let's say you're you're a webshop from Germany, right? You might be looking at the Netherlands, which is which is a fairly big market, so it's safe to put down a new instance of, I know, Magento or Hybris. But maybe going to, let's say, Greece, which you have a couple of customers from, you don't know why, but let's give it a try you might actually want to plop down some Shopify there just to try it out. You don't want to invest too much money, right? You just want to have a fairly simple solution for that. Now, you're going to 
plot down this very simple solution and then have your still your your service oriented back and backend that handles like uh, fulfillment or payments that you can hook up to it. And I think that is very uh, interesting that you're you're exposing uh, your business logic to the outside with some logging in, I would suggest, but uh, you're you're making it much more democratic. You're you're enabling uh, other smaller platforms to use it while not having to invest big time in, in exactly. setting up this whole infrastructure. Because I mean, even I mean, beyond small companies, beyond settled companies, everybody's thinking of global expansion. I mean, not everything is everywhere, yeah. right? And it's part of your plan. I mean, you want to be everywhere. Exactly. But I, I, I mean, definitely is, is, is a good step to take Instead of investing all your all of your budget in all right, we're we're all over the world, but we're selling still in the same places. Is to test like the, the smaller services that allows you to test right. uh, different. Right. And even when it comes to a replatforming later on, right? You're you're now in let's say ten countries, and you started uh, fifteen years ago in Germany on uh, some IBM WebSphere instance that is huge, right? And then in other countries, you weren't able to put that down because it's simply too expensive. So you have Magento. And in other countries, you have, uh, you know, WooCommerce or Shopify because you're just exploring that. Now, when you want to start uh, either moving it all to one platform or you want to start replatforming some of the stuff there, it's comfortable to have the option to do it one country after another. Because if you have to do a big bang, let alone the technical implications of that, which is daunting, uh, you also have the soft side, right? The the people have to be trained with a new system, which is which is a challenge. I've I've been through that and I've done the trainings, and and these are people that are not used to working with different systems, so it's it's scary for them. You have to make sure that that your whole logistics is catered to to or or is integrated into this this new solution. So being having the comfort of doing this step by step, that's that's something very very valuable. I think. Yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, not only for CTOs, but all the I mean, what they report to the CEOs is like, we're not gonna blow our budget. Take it easy. We exactly we're doing everything step by step. So it exactly. makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and even being able to go to your colleagues and say, okay, we're so you're doing logistics, don't worry. Uh, you can still use, I don't know, whatever uh, obscure fulfillment company you're using in that country because we're just going to switch over this country now uh, and then and then go on to the next one. Sander, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being in the show today. Um, where can people find you next? I mean, I know you're basically in every Magenta event. Um, so... <laughs> Where can they find out where, where you're going to be? Right. So I'm not going to list all of the conferences I am at. I would suggest people to go to Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, slash Sander Mangel. Uh, I post there uh, a lot of a lot of the events I'm going to, some some articles I'm, I'm working on, and in general, what, what keeps me busy. So that's a good place to, to connect with me. Cool. Cool, cool. We're probably going to put Twitter here, or if the editor hates Perfect. me, he's going to put it here. <laughs> I don't know. Well, thank you one more time again. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, next time, please don't miss the show because we got on we got on the road. We'll be in Berlin very soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sander, again. Thank you for having See me. See you next time. You've been listening to e-commerce talks powered by Divante. Subscribe and review our podcast on iTunes or just visit divante.com/talks. Thank you for listening. My name is Marcus Bravo, and see you in the next episode.